Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast. Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything NFL. We're back after our double bye, during which time we were off-plotting the perfect crime. Were we successful? Well, put it this way. I'm presenting this podcast live from Juju Smith's Shuster's Bicycle. And Juju, the ransom's ten grand. <laughs> I'm Nick Duncan, joined as always by Inside Zone Editor-in-Chief Tom Like. Say hello, Tom. Hello, everyone. And joining us for the first time this season is Josh Edwards. Josh, welcome to the Madhouse. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me, gents. Pleasure. No, no problem. I hope you've come with a level head to debunk all Tom's trash opinions because it's been <laughs> oh, kind of grinding God. me down. <laughs> Decent lineup for the show tonight, I think. Um, we're going to be talking Monday Night Football, which is the uh, NFC East matchup between Washington and Philadelphia. Um, we're going to throw some underperforming coaches under the bus, which is always fun. Um, looking at what's going wrong in Atlanta, and we've got a few talking points for later. So, without further ado, let's cast our eyes to Lincoln Financial Field, where Monday night saw the number one team in the NFC, Philadelphia, take on who I think are their probable main challenges in the East and Washington. Went 7 out of 10 against the Blitz. Lined up as if they're coming after him, and they do. And he's in trouble. Wentz will be escaping from the 18-yard line. How in the world did that happen? First down out to the 44-yard line. Now, there's a lot to unpack from this game. Washington heading out to an early lead before Philly assumed control. Um, first half penalties, big passing games, struggling run games. Plenty of stories among receiving course. So where should we start? Josh, as the newbie, why don't you give us um, some hot takes? Yeah, sure thing. Um, I mean, I think we learned the Eagles are probably the best team in the NFC right now. Um, and I think that, that opinion solidified after last night. Um, there's no no real reason to doubt their credentials there's no real reason to doubt their potential probably to go relatively deep into the playoffs as things stand um i guess you can probably tell from my voice I'm not too pleased about it um as a Redskins fan but last night um the eagles defense um on third down was something to behold it was superb um it stifled the skins who were fourth for 12 on third down in the game um and, and in the first half could not convert third and short if their lives depended on it um, Jim Swartz sent all kinds of different looks and pressures on third down um, to knock Cousins off rhythm. And Cousins played pretty well last night. Yeah, um, he, he got a lot of a lot of yards through the air. He rushed a couple of times for some big first downs. But when it came to third down, um, they sent the house on multiple occasions, um, and it did knock him off his rhythm. And kind of Jay Gruden didn't really have any answers. Um, it was probably his worst called game, I think, of the season so far. Um, so I do think the Eagles probably came out of last night basically telling us what we already knew but solidifying it. Yeah, I, th- I thought there was an interesting um, contrast in, in the, the two sets of coaching. I didn't think, I thought Gruden really didn't adjust, whereas you mentioned Schwartz really found the way to hit Washington third down. I like what Doug Peterson did with the um, uh, offence. In the first quarter and a half, Philly looked flat. Passes not getting completed, no traction on the run game. And then suddenly he just completely opens it up with that at that fantastic pass that um, he called for Wentz going deep to Matt Collins. And I think Matt Collins is the bee's knees, and I think he's hot take here, future WR1 in the league. Um, we can come back to that. But because of that, because of that threat, what that meant is that 
Philly were able to suddenly manufacture open receivers, Washington were having to take account of more um, a wider variety of routes being run. And that's when you start to see Zach Ertz coming into the game as that sort of intermediate threat. And with him and Nelson Aguilar, who's absolutely remarkable turnaround in um, performance, I think that's been fant- that's been really val- valuable for Philly this year. And I think it really showed. Tom, you got any thoughts? Uh, I have a few. Uh, I'm going to start off with saying about, not just because he's in my fantasy team, but Terrell Pryor, where the hell has he gone? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's non-existent. I, I couldn't see him. I, I was honestly looking on, because obviously I was looking for fantasy, and I was watching it going, where the hell is number 11? I couldn't find him. I was thinking, Jesus, where is he? Um, yeah, you know, Pryor seems to, seems to have, you know, he's, he's kind of like taking a backseat to Josh Doxon as he seems to have emerged there. Uh, there were so many penalties for Philadelphia earlier on. I know they had that petition last week where, I think they had something like 100 plus penalty yards and some fans started a petition to ban one of the refs from the stadiums. But goodness me, I mean, early on we had a, th- a first and 33 from their own three-yard line. Um, you know, it, it did, as, it, as it was, Peterson ended up, you know, they ended up relying on their defense because Washington, the first five offensive possessions, couldn't really do too much. Uh, the Eagles' D kept the score down at 10 to 3. Um, you know, I, quite a few impressive performances in this one. Uh, Brandon Graham was excellent as always. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins was unbelievable. Uh, that that Eagles O line looked looked really good as well. And like you said, you know, D- uh, Jim Schwartz was able to you know dial pressure on money down third down and brought the house, which Cousins couldn't really cope with. Uh, interesting to get your take here, Josh. Um, I'm not sure it was just me, but for me, it seems to, I got this sense that Washington is like playing on borrowed money, borrowed time with Cousins there. <laughs> you know, he he he's been a top four quarterback this year. The defense is finally mm. coming together. You know, they've got you know the linebacking core looks good. Pass rushes create is you know the generated pass rush good playmakers serviceable running backs but you know yeah. Kirk Cousins every week he just seems to be you know earning more and more cash on top of this monster check he's going to receive I mean I'm not sure if I've just got the sense he's going to go to San Francisco but you know it, you know are the other Redskins do, do you do you think as a Redskins fan that something's going to get done at the end of the year um, Cousins this season started very slowly and he started very slowly last season as well he had a couple of games where he was pretty poor. Um, it seems like he needs two games to get into rhythm, but when he does, he's the same as we always thought he was. And it's that quote, that Dennis Green quote, the, you know, the Redskins are who we thought they were here, and Cousins is who we thought he was. Um, mm. He's an exceptionally um, accurate passer. He's fantastic in the pocket when the pocket holds up. Um, and he will find guys and change plays the line of scrimmage in a difficult situation like he did last night in Philly and have a good game statistically. Um, it seems like Every week, he needs people around him to do very special things for us to go and win games against good teams, which is what we haven't managed to do against Philly and Kansas City this year. Um, but it does really feel like that. It kind of feels like this inexorable drive towards Cousins, I think, probably leaving at the end of this season because as a thing stand in a division. I mean, who would have called it? Six and one Eagles looking like they're going to go a decent way into the playoffs. Um, I think probably... If you were to put me on a on a question now, I think Cousins probably goes at the end of this season. I for, um, I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan. I think he's he's a good, not great um, quarterback. I I nearly spat. Um, well, I'm not drinking anything, which is good because I would have spat it out when you just claimed he was a top four quarterback. I'm just looking this at this season. He's been list- top four. <laughs> Some of us have to watch Matt Moore and Jay Cutler week in week out. You know. It's- we get green-eyed looking at some of these other quarterbacks on the league. Do you know what? He, he, he is number three in passer rating, but if you're trying to tell me that he's been, say, better than, what, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers when he was fit, Derek Carr, I mean... Carson heck, Wentz. 
Well, Carson, yeah, Carson Wentz, yeah. I mean, no, he's not a top four quarterback. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, th- I find him a bit flaky. I think he can be absolutely clutch, but he can also sink his team just with kind of very middling performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think he's not. I mean, he's not blessed with receivers. Terrell Fryer um, oh. must wish he'd never left Cleveland, which is an absolutely terrifying <laughs> thing to say. Um, it's a strange one with Terrell Pryor. I mean, this week in practice, Josh Doxson took a lot of snaps and Terrell Pryor was sort of pictured looking a little bit confused on the sideline. And he was looking a little bit confused on the sideline last night. Um, but he was the guy to, to bring in to, to replace, you know, Jackson or Garcon or a combination of both of them. But through six games, he's got 18 catches. Um, oh, I know. One touch. One touch yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't, need, to, you don't need, me, need me to repeat these, do you? But... Last last year through six games, Garcon had twenty eight, Jackson had twenty two, um, and the yardage totals are just huge compared to what Pry's been able to do this year, and it is concerning. Um, how much of that is on Kirk Cousins? I probably think probably not a lot to be honest. Um, it's scheme and it's Pry getting used to the system, but too little, too late really at three and three potentially. But the the defensive additions, I mean, you know, we look at that, but what they what they've done on defense, you know, the addition of Zach Brown, DJ Swearinger, a few guys on the defensive line, you know, they seem to have have moulded straight away and built like a legitimate, you know, top fifteen defense. It's just, it seems to be like you said, you know, too, too many departures too quickly on that, on that in that wide receiver core. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think some of those defensive additions, especially Brown. Brown is a superbly quick linebacker. I think he ran a four four forty. Yeah. In college, I mean, he's just crazy sideline to sideline player, which is exactly what we needed in that second level. But nevertheless, Zach Ertz gets open a few times. Sometimes it's difficult to cover those guys. I will say this for the Washington defense: um, eighth worst on yards allowed per game um, overall. So I don't think that would be that bad. But missing Josh I Norman. Think... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean Breland can play well and did often last night, but he can give you a few boneheaded plays. I don't really know why they're not involving Kendall Fuller more, who looks like a decent corner. Yeah, but um, no, I mean I think so. Are we saying both teams who we thought they were after last night's game, Philly look like they've got a good chance of going team into the playoffs. Washington potentially wild card fodder. It's going to be between them and Dallas for second in the East. And is is say a nine seven going to be enough? Yeah, I think so. I think that's I think that's that's fair. Excellent. I'm I'm glad we all agree. This is this is very glad you all agree with me. Let's move on then, shall we? Um Always fun to look at is um, egging people on to fire some coaches. Now, there is nothing or there should be nothing that winds people up any more than watching talent get wasted by poor coaching decisions in the NFL. So, on that note, let's throw some people under the bus. And who wants to go first? Because I've got quite a few. Uh, okay, a, no, okay. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, Tom, no, yeah, no, I was going to throw Adam Gase under the bus. No, no, Adam Gase, <laughs> Gase for life. But uh, that, oh, that's going to come back to haunt me, that little soundbite just there. I can imagine in a couple of weeks' time. But no, no, I've, I've got two from the AFC and two from the NFC. So how many have you guys got? I've got four in total. Um, I actually have two from the AFC and two from the NFC. I hope they're not the same as yours. <laughs> so do I, guys. I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely know one of mine won't be the same, hopefully. Right, but, yeah. Tom, go first then. Okay, well, I will go for the one that I think potentially could be the same for all of us. Uh, AFC, I'm going to go with Hugh Jackson, the Cleveland Browns. Yet again, there's going to be another coaching change in Cleveland. Since taking over as Browns head coach, Hugh Jackson is 1-22. 
that that's difficult to do in the NFL, you know, where we're meant to have some parity, you know, swings around about, you know, teams get lucky. How on earth can someone go one and twenty-two? I mean, we're now in the second year of a complete rebuild, and, and to be fair, nothing seems to have changed. The, the, you know, the, the roster arguably has more talent in it, but the you know the coaches aren't getting anything out of it. I think Greg Williams is doing well as defensive coordinator. Miles Jack looks, uh, Miles Jack, Miles Garrett looks like a great hit, but. I, Hugh Jackson, you know, and the, the way he seems to be, you know, playing around with these callbacks, it, it, it's damaging for their careers long term. I, I think Cleveland needs I, to, you know, get their acting together and probably get someone new in that. I think that's the key. I think the key is quarterbacks because, um, I mean, what is he trying to, is he trying to win games, save his job, or is he trying to develop Deshaun Kaiser? He needs to choose one rather than going in, out, in, out, shake it all about. Um Put, putting Kai, telling Kai, saying I need to sit to Sean Kaiser um, because he needs a few games, and then realizing that Kevin Hogan is Kevin Hogan is basically um, Curtis Payne to Mark II, and realizing <laughs> this is a terrible idea, bringing him back in, then benching him mid-game for the guy who was inactive for most of the first five, six games of the season, Cody Kessler, who is um, well, I mean he's basically like one of those passing machines that, that can't move. He's a limited quarterback. Um, let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's. I mean, I, what I don't understand is what's going on in Cleveland. The whole regime seems to be built on the idea that analytics didn't actually yet exist in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, when you've got the sort of the current the best team in, well, potentially the best team this year, certainly the best team for the last maybe fifteen years in the NFL, have basically been built on finding undervalued position, undervalued talent, which is the exact type of analytics that they think that they're inventing. Yeah, sorry. I agree. Hugh Jackson, get out. <laughs> uh, Josh, pick someone. Who should get sacked? I can never pronounce this guy's second name, but we're going Dirk Cutter. Oh, same there. as me. Cutter, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, also got Dirky in there. I think this one, you know, this might play out differently the second half of the season. You had the, the weird thing in week one where they had the week one bye, but the two and four, they were the summer darlings of the league, really. Hard knocks was good fun. Um, obviously, they had some additions in to Sean Jackson to try and open the field up. But they seem to kind of regress defensively, which is weird given who they've brought in. Um, and it's just not going well. You know you're up against it when you've got your own players calling you out on Twitter, which we've had with TJ Ward and uh, Chris Baker, the ex-Redskin, he's always quite vocal on Twitter, calling out and tweeting their discontent. Um, it's a division that should be competitive at least for every team in there and you know Tampa Bay are not getting it done I think Dirk needs to have a good long hard look at how he's getting things done offensively I I, I mean he's I mean they got rid of Lovey Smith defensive coach just so they could promote Dirk because they were worried about him being poached um we now have some below average Buccaneers defenses that have Gerald McCoy Levante David Kaywin Alexander Noah Spence Brent Grimes TJ Ward these are very good players mm. and that is Worrying, and you say they bought Deshaun Jackson. I don't think they really know how to use Deshaun Jackson. Like the occasional bomb, the only, the only player that I feel like they know how to use on offense is Cameron Brait. Yeah, and Cameron Brait's a really good possession tight end, and he's being used well. Deshaun Jackson isn't that hard to work out how to use. He, long crossing routes <laughs> across the field or the or go routes, um, and and they're not they don't seem to be doing it. It doesn't seem to be much of a clever scheme around how to use the players they've brought in. It just seems a little bit like they expected it to come together um, and they talked a really good talk. And I do like Jameis Winston and he did talk a good talk in, in the preseason. Um, but I think they need to have a little bit more, more smarts about how they're putting things together. 
Well, long-time listeners to the podcast will know that I am rooting for Winston to fail. Um, so let's um, <laughs> let's gloss over that. I'm going to pick someone now. How about John Fox, who is Ooh. basically a walking sulk at having to start a rookie? You know, you know the thing about um, Cleveland over, probably overexposing to Sean Kaiser, and maybe that's where the issue is. How can Mitchell Trubisky develop if he's only allowed to throw the ball seven times a game? I get it, John. You think that Mike Glennon is like the second coming? Well. I don't even know what he's the second coming of. I don't know. There hasn't been many NFL quarterbacks that were crossbred with giraffes before. But just, it's conservative <laughs> game planning. It's Gosh. get it's grinding down. He's going to wear out Jordan Howard by the end of his rookie contract. That's a great move for the future for the Bears. They don't have a roster. I mean, the defense is doing quite well, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but come on. Also, he really needs a trip to a nice Turkish barber's because that fuzzy face makes oh. him look like he's been made to sleep <laughs> in the car. Um... Anyone got any more that they are abs- any more coaches that they are absolutely desperate to see fired, or shall we move on? Well, I, I mean, my final two. I, I didn't have John Fox, so from the NFC, I had Ben McAdoo with the Giants, uh, Dirk yeah. Cutter with the Bucks, and then for the AFC, you know, I had the predictable ones. I had Hugh Jackson with the Browns and Chuck Pagano with the Colts. So they, they were my ones. I'm if, not sure. if if the Colts sacked Chuck Pagano, do you think he'd notice? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You know, was, there, was, there, was, there was a few, a few weeks ago when when um when there was that Marlon Mack um well he did he probably should have scored a touchdown. It was called short of the one, and he didn't challenge. And in fact, he ran a play quickly. Do you think it's like he thought he was coaching the other team, so he was trying to stop himself from being able to challenge the call that he would have. Bah. I know your yeah. feelings, Chuck. But so you know, I don't know. I feel like the. Chuck Pagano, you know, you look around the league at some of these young guys who've come in. I'm going to say young guys. I'm going to say Doug Peterson, but you know, Adam Gase, Sean McVay, Sean McDermott, Doug Peterson. You know, they've had immediate impacts, and there's too much, there's too much talent on that on that Indianapolis, you know, roster that, that they seem to be, you know, amassing. It needs an injection of new ideas there. And when Luck's fully healthy in 2018, do we really think Chuck Pagano's the guy who's going to scheme, you know, be creative with scheme and who's going to be able, be able to take them back to the playoffs and you know, challenge the AFC South, which is yet again it proven to be quite a mediocre division. No, he's not. There we go. <laughs> okay, well, um, Josh, do you have anyone else you want to throw under the bus? Hand a P45 to, like, the guy who used to be Lee Nelson did to Theresa May? <laughs> uh, no one right now. I think one to look out for the second half of the season is potentially Mike Malarkey, who, despite being mm-hmm. four and three, kind of tied at the top of the division. Um, I mean, they took overtime to beat Cleveland, which is bad enough. Um they can't really get it going on offense like we had hoped and lots of people had hoped they would, um, especially in the red zone. Um, I think they might have a very difficult second half of the year with their schedule, so keep an eye on his hot butt. Mine's Marvin Lewis. I, hot butt Marvin Lewis. I mean, Cincinnati will never sack a head coach. They sort of just wait for them to, you know, dead man's shoes style, wait for them to die and the next one to come on. Not, 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 not a lot of um, action. I think Malarkey's a pretty good shot. I did wonder at the start of the season whether um, his... Offense was a bit one-dimensional and would be found out um, in season two when teams have had a chance to game plan. It looks like it's going that way. Okay, let, let's move on. And um, we put out a shout on Twitter for any topics to talk about. And unsurprisingly, Inside Zone Falcons writer Thomas Willoughby wanted us to talk about what's wrong with the Falcons. Um, I think he only thinks about the Falcons. That's his basically entire life. So we'll we'll forgive him for being <laughs> parochial there. But what's wrong with fan. the Falcons? <laughs> big, big music fan, well, he's always tweeting yeah, yeah, yeah. music videos he's, he likes. He's, he's decent music, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't, think, don't me, think he likes me, Medium music fan, yeah. me, medium music fan. Yeah. Um, 
I'll give him credit for. Wait, don't, don't want to give him too much credit. But um, what is wrong with the Falcons? Why are they in this situation of basically going three and three and basically all but getting shut out to the Pats, but for a late garbage time touchdown? Tom, why don't you kick us off? Uh, well, you know, the, the easy answer would be, you know, lost a devastating Super Bowl last year. There's some bad voodoo karma, you know, psychologically in it. But for me, it comes down to the fact that Steve Sarkeesian is their offensive coordinator and, and he is running the exact same offense. I'm not sure if he just got into the building, looked in his desk, saw Shanahan's offense and thought, oh, we'll just run this. You know, when you have the number one offense and you set the league alight like you did last year, you know, defensive coordinators who are playing you this season, they're going to spend all offseason studying tape, looking at tendencies, looking at, you know, how you operate, and they're going to try and slow you down. And that's exactly what's happened. You know, the offense isn't scoring as much. It's placing greater pressure on this young defense, which, you know, hasn't been ex- exactly where we thought it'd be. Um, for, for me, it's just the fact that this, you know, this, this juggernaut offense seems to have regressed and it's exposed the rest of the off, um, the rest of the roster, really. Not sure if you guys have the same thoughts. I, I was, I've been a bit disappointed by the defense, actually. I think everyone was saying this is a young defense. There's a lot of talent and there were a lot of good performers last season. You looked at some of the like, young players like Grady Jarrett, Vic Beasley, um, the, two li- the two linebackers, Jones and Campbell. Um, but it just, like, n- no one looks quite as good. Beasley, his sack numbers were probably a little fluky last year. Um, I think that's, I think everyone expected that, but people didn't really expect Grady Jarrett to look much less disruptive. Um, I think Desmond Trufant hasn't quite been at his best. He was a fantastic cover corner in um, 14 and 15, especially. Uh, Robert Alford's turned back into a pumpkin. I mean, yeah, the main thing for me is Sarkeesian as well. I, I mean, you could tell from Julio Jones's general demeanour, and Jones is not a sort of a gripey, overtly diva wide receiver yeah. for him to be kind of... But, I mean, that that is the angriest touchdown catch I've ever seen when he basically... Oh. He, he would have been happily taken Josh Norman with him when he took the ball off him for that touchdown. Not Josh Norman. Um... Malcolm, Malcolm Butler. Butler. Yeah. yeah, you say that, but the defense last year it ranked in the regular season. It was twenty seventh in points allowed, allowing you know twenty five point four. It was twenty seventh. This year it's fifteenth. You know the defense has stepped up. It's just the fact that you know they seem to be losing uh, you know losing games closer now. Whereas Se- last seventh year, worst for yards allowed though. Yeah, that's so, kind of no. kind of a bend but don't break defense approach mm. they got going on there. Rally to the football, classic Dallas Cowboys. Hmm, Josh, what do you think? I don't trust Sarkeesian. Um, I didn't trust him as OC in Alabama. Um, you remember that bowl game last year, Clemson bowl game? Oh, God. When they were, I think, averaging something like eight yards per carry at halftime on 21 rushes. And then in the second half, Sarkeesian forgot he could run the football. And, and it was just, just completely capitulated. He does some weird things. He does jet sweeps on the one-yard line when you've got the the running backs that you have. It's very strange. Um it's almost I, like I he's doing Sean it for Payne a laugh. I remember a jet sweep to Josh Hill for the same time <laughs> on the yard line a couple of years back. So I'm, I'm not going to brag on that too much. Not a playful I like. Uh, Devonta Freeman um, has averaged 10 carries over the last two weeks per game. Um, pretty sure he was made the highest paid running back in football in August. Um, just being horrendously underutilised recently. Um, I think the offence is the issue. Um, strange play calling. And also, if you look at the the root trees this this season, um, last year three six games, the average um, yard per attempt was eleven yards. Now it's seven and a half. Defenses, as you say, are tightening up to what they expect, and Ryan is having a tougher time of things. Um, Sarkeesian could be on his way, I think. Yeah, definitely hot butt going on down there in the George. Is it the George Dome? Where are they playing now? Is it the George Dome? 
Or Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes Deadspin likes to brand it as um, Megatron's butthole because of the way it opens <laughs> and closes. And it does have something of, you know, you, like um, those tea towel holders that are basically designed to look like cat's arses um, when it's opening and closing. It's a very <laughs> odd-looking stadium. I, I um, mean, But the concessions are really cheap there, so it's fine. $5 beers every game. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't get that enough in professional sport at the top level <laughs> across the world. So it's something to be um, something to cherish. Now, um, it's been some interesting talk. We've all had a bit of a chat, but I think we've all got other little points that we want to raise. Just um, things that maybe got to us, things that little arguments, hot takes you want to make, anything you want to bring attention to. Um, I'm going to let Tom go first, just because he'll probably drone on about the dolphins, so I can zone <laughs> out and go to my happy place for a few minutes. Tom, what do you want to talk about? I'm going to talk about the underutilization of the fullback position in football. No, no, I'm not. I'm going to talk oh, about. Oh, fantastic! I'm to... That would that would be that could be one for next week. But no, given I... some of the big money fullback deals over this, <laughs> this summer, I think that I mean over the off season, I think that might be a bit dodgy. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll schedule that for a later podcast potentially. But no, I'll, obviously, yeah. I say obviously, but I don't just talk about dolphins. But this is going to be about the dolphins. So, I've got are the dolphins better with Matt Moore? You know, Kate came in, provided immediate spark on Sunday versus the Jets, helped the Dolphins come back down 14 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, you look statistically, you know, he's 13 of 21, 188 yards, two TDs. Uh, he was able to carve up the Jets when he didn't, when he wasn't blitzed. He had a 138.1 passer rating, but when they did blitz, you know, he was able to quickly go to his checkdowns. Uh, the, the biggest takeaway for me is not whether he's an upgrade over Jay Cutler or not. It's just the fact that he showed chemistry of his playmakers, you know, something Cutler's failed to show so far. I think perhaps it's a bit ambitious to say that you could just insert a QB, you know, late in training camp and expecting them to just, just to be instantly in rhythm with all of his wide receivers. Uh, Moore looked good, you know, he, he basically just put, put the ball in his playmakers' hands and said, go make plays, which is what, you know, Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills, when you got plays like that, uh, Jay Jets, when you, what you need to do. Uh, I think Moore's, he's the type of quarterback who can inject a three to four game spark, but long term, you know, he can be sloppy. He's like Cutler, he's a bit of a gunslinger, he, you know, he's not very careful with the football. Uh, he doesn't have the same arm talent that Cutler possesses, and it's something that, you know, everyone's getting on Jay Cutler, but let's have a look at the offensive line in front of him. I know that Dolphins fans have been saying this for the last five years with Ryan Tannehill, but it seems to be the case always. We never get to see these, you know, these quarterbacks perform to their highest potential. Uh, the O-line isn't holding up, nothing can develop downfield, and Adam Gase seems to have dialed back the offense by about 50%. So is more an upgrade over Cutler? Mm, maybe the next three to four weeks, but for the long-term season, I think I'd still probably rather take Cutler. Have you guys got Actually, any comments? Tom, Tom, Tom on, the, on the O-line, how's Laramie Tunstall doing? Well, he was injured uh, this, this oh. season, but he seems to have been, you know, he, he hasn't, you know... He hasn't, shows how much Ted's not been playing. Hasn't um, blossomed as much I, I as I have excuses, I have excuses, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, any comments, or are we just going to go straight on to the next 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 topic <laughs> we want to talk about? I think, I think the best thing Jay Cutler's done all year was posing for that photo that his wife took, but naked. I think that's still sort of an iconic <laughs> moment. I don't know, the, wild, the Wildcat was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, it's a very good point. That was quite funny. Josh, uh, Jay, um, what, sorry, yeah, sorry, Jay Cutler owes me a performance after that shambles of a game at Wembley um, with the Saints. Um, I think it's probably too early to tell. Ask me on Friday after Thursday night football. Um, sometimes you see it quite a lot where a guy goes in for an injured starter and it sparks the team and they go and win a game or make it close. Um, yeah, which Moore did um, perform pretty admirably. Um, for the short term, I think you're right. I think maybe ask yourself the question, if you find yourselves in a wildcard game in New England or in Kansas City or whatever, who do you want in that game, uh, Cutler or more? Um, for me, probably Cutler. Yeah, I think, I think for me, it's neither. 
Oh, yeah. If, if, we, yeah. if we both had our thing, we, we, both, we wouldn't have any of them. But yeah, I think potentially Cutler has the bigger upside. You know, he's got that. He's he's going to be about, you know, 75 QB rating all season, but he's got that potential just to spark out, you know, and just fluke one or two games where he just goes absolutely crazy and shows you why everyone buys into him. So that's our Dolphins segment for the week over, thank God. Um, Josh, have you got anything from the week's action that you think you want to raise? Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to go Redskins, but I thought, you know, first time on the podcast, I will um, relent. Maybe uh, later today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna. Though it pains me to say it, I'm gonna make the case for Carson Wentz as the MVP um, through seven weeks. Um, he's just been superb this season. His progression has been um, far more than I'd expected or hoped for um, as a Redskins fan. But he's just been great. I'm not even a stats guy, but I will throw some out because they back up my argument. Um, Obviously, the Eagles are six and one. Wentz leads the league in touchdowns, seventeen, only four picks. Uh, he's third in rushing among quarterbacks, fourth in yards, top ten in pretty much every other major stat line. Um, but it is the film where it comes to life. He's so elusive; it's unreal. Um, the play last night, where in the oh, third yeah. quarter the Eagles are up by seven, it's third and eight on their own twenty-seven. So at this point, the Skins are still in the game. He's just enveloped by eight players, three Redskins, five linemen for the Eagles. And the pocket just collapses on him. And somehow he emerges, shot out of a cannon, mm. and rushes for 17 yards and the first down. And then six plays later, Aguilar in the end zone, 14-point game, pretty much over. Um, he's so elusive. It's, he's like a slippery ghost. <laughs> it's very frustrating <laughs> to watch as a Redskins fan, but it's kind of beautiful as well. It's a bit like Big Ben in his pomp. Um, it's actually a really nice freeze frame of that play um, from the actual sideline broadcast camera where you can't see Wentz at one point, which is pretty ridiculous, bearing in mind he's six foot four and 240 pounds. Um, and he just somehow emerges from that pocket. I think he's been really, really good this season. I think the Eagles are nowhere near a six on one team without him. Um, and I think he's probably the MVP. I mean, can you convince, convince me otherwise? Tom, can you convince him otherwise? Uh, it's difficult. He's played extremely well. My my one argument I'd be is that he's the quarterback of the best team in football. He's not, you know, he's got an excellent defense, great O line. You know, maybe he's, you know, not as not had that signature performance, put the team on his back type performance that maybe an Alex Smith has for the Chiefs. You know that they did lose to the Chiefs. Uh, Smith, you know, he's got the fourth longest streak in NFL history of throwing TDs a TD about interception. He's currently got 15 TDs, no picks. Second in yards per game behind Brady. He's taken 11 sacks more than the rest of them. You know, he seems to you know be playing behind an inferior offensive line. He's averaging, you know, he's got 120.5 QBR. The next is Brady at 108, Cousins 107, and Wentz 104. Uh, and it's not like he's just a little dink and duck, you know, dink and dunk, you know, just like Andy Reid's scheme people open. You know, he is averaging the most yards per attempt. Uh, you know, he's taking shots downfield. Although... Uh, you know, the, the Eagles, uh, you know, where they are the best team in football, it, it is difficult to argue against Wentz at the minute. So, you know, it, it, there's both sides to the argument, I think. I I mean, for my part, I think, yeah, it's Wentz is up there. I think it's... I think Alex... I do expect Alex Smith to turn into back into a pumpkin at some point because, you know, he's Alex Smith. But I think you've got sort of... And MVP is basically best quarterback award, um, which I eternally find irritating, as regular listeners will know. But I think looking at... Um, other players, I mean, you've got like Smith, I think obviously Tom Brady. Um, I think what Drew Brees is doing in New Orleans, and Drew Brees has never been MVP. Um, t- 
to my knowledge, which which seems which seems a very odd thing to think about when he's a probably a future Hall of Famer. I think look out in the second half of the season for a fast finishing Derek Carr as well, who could um, get up there, who could very well get up there if Oakland turn their season round. Um, Wentz is up there. It, it's 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 tricky, but last night as a coming out party, and it's a sort of performance that an MVP campaign is built on. Monday Night Football divisional yeah. matchup, um, and as that that touchdown pass to Matt Collins, I just I just it was the perfect play, the perfect throw, run, catch, everything. I mean, credit to Hollins putting a fantastic double move on um, the poor, unfortunate uh, Washington defensive back, but. Yeah, I mean, it could go either way, really. I, 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 I can, I can, I can see the case for Wentz, and I, I, I would, if, if I, if I was going for someone, I think he's probably been the most excited, the best, the quarterback that you most get excited about, and that might be possibly just because he's a second-year quarterback. Whereas you've got um, yeah. Brady, Smith, Breeze have been in the league since year dot. So yeah, I um I don't have much to raise myself um for. for what it's worth, I've been um, reduced to grabbing bits of red zone um, on Sundays at moments that my daughter isn't bawling her eyes out as she is very young. Congratulations to me. Thanks. Um, okay, but I do just want to... Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks, Tom. Very, very kind of you. Um, I do just want to flag up a couple of players that we might well have seen in the league for the last time. Um, Carson Palmer and Joe Thomas both went off um, season-ending injuries at the weekend. Neither have committed to coming back next year. Palmer, we know, was quite hesitant joe thomas there's only so long a man can play for the cleveland browns um i just want to give him just a quick notice to um players who've really given a lot to the league i mean carson palmer is a former number one, number one overall pick um he's probably varied between being sort of an elite and an average quarterback at times sort of averaging out a good i would say um had some fantastic moments at times for cincinnati not so many in oakland but especially for Arizona, um, their run to the NFC Championship game. Um, he was fantastic that season. Yeah. I'm not sure he quite ever lived up to being a number one overall pick, but he's done very well for some good teams in the past, and he's made some bad teams look perfectly serviceable. I will say at least his retirement, though, will stop me, would, if he does indeed retire, stop me confusing him with uh, former Sheffield Wednesday and England midfielder Carlton Palmer, a problem I'm sure that many, many fans of both footballs in the UK have. Um, as for Joe Thomas, I mean, what can you say about Joe Thomas? Um, number three overall pick in 2007. He's been a pro bowler in every single season. He's a seven-time All-Pro. He is a future, hopefully, first ballot Hall of Famer because that is the kind of quality, the sort of reliability that first ballot Hall of Famer should be. The Browns have been so bad but no one has been better than joe thomas you look at um pro football focus grading and as we say every week they are flawed but they do have function he is right at the top every year every single year again and again and again and again and again and if we have seen the last of joe thomas um sort of this upbeat demeanor he always has um it's an esoteric thinker if you've ever seen sort of the thing he was i saw a cliff him talking about sort of rushing efficiency um and kind of trying to make the case for it over, over the sort of the rather more basic rushing stats that we make that we take account of and he's a, obviously a deep thinker as well and who knows maybe he'll go into back office or even into coaching i think my guess would be back office if he does retire but if he does i mean that is a great career that we have witnessed so yeah, Joe Thomas, Carson felt, Palmer. Felt like an obituary there, but no, I do agree. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a sad, sad time for football with, you know, 
in this, this this season, it seems to be the season where we've been robbed of injuries. You know, especially with Aaron Rodgers. You now, I'd love to see you know the red hot JJ Watt, David Johnson as well, Odell Beckham. But I feel like, especially yeah. you know Rodgers, I feel like we've been robbed there with seeing you know a red hot Eagles facing off against the Packers. You know, maybe like a, a deep playoff game. But no, you know Joe Thomas definitely, like you said, you know, Mister Reliability. Uh, one of the one of the nicest guys in football. I think it's 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 known as well. You know, he seems to be. Seems to have taken a lot of a lot of stick for, for sticking with the Browns, even though when there was options a couple of years ago for him to, to move on. You know, he seems to be a, a one man team, and that that's something that's quite rare nowadays in in, in the mercenary world of a professional football. He said, "Great, well, um, as regular listeners will know, we tend to close our ish, um, podcast by going through our pickums for the week. Now we've had a couple of weeks off. We have been." In our absence, picking them, so obviously you know it wasn't too much effort planning to steal Juju Smith-Schuster's bicycle. Um, Tom, you like to present this because I think you're probably doing better than me. So why don't you take tell us how we're all doing in Pickhams this year and how much of a better predictor you are than me? As I'm sure you're so eager we, to do. I believe we finished. Was it week three or week four? I believe it was week three, wasn't it? With me winning seventeen fourteen. Week four, I went seven. You. And you got two. That was really, you know. I, think. I was distracted. I was distracted. You know, that was that's probably not not your moment of glory. Uh, that's one of the few two points I actually won. Could be a trend coming on here. So I I entered week five twenty four to sixteen. Uh, week five we tied four four. Uh, we both went for the Packers over the Cowboys in the two pointer. That ended up at twenty eight twenty. Week six again it was four four. Uh, this time you got the two-pointer. You had the Steelers beating the Chiefs. So that meant that it was... Uh, I seem to have forgot to add up here. I'm going to have to add up on the fly. So that made it 34-24. Uh, and week seven last week, you had the... We both had the Vikings beating the Ravens. You had the Saints beating the Packers. We both went for Panthers over Bears, so we were wrong there. I had the Dolphins beating the Jets. Uh, we both went for the Bucks over the Bills, got that one wrong. We both went for the Broncos over the Chargers, got that one wrong. I went for the Eagles over the Skins. And then finally, you got the big two-pointer. Uh, you got the Patriots over the Falcons, so that meant you had four. I had three. That means that I enter week eight on thirty-five points. You enter week eight on twenty-eight, seven points adrift. So let's see if you can make those up. And Josh, you will be the guest this week. So let's see, let's see how how you fare here. I've already punched in my answers here. These are in pen, so I'm not going to be changing on the fly. Uh, first game up is Dolphins. At Ravens Thursday night game, Josh, who have you got there? Um, Dolphins. Um, I think Matt Moore stays hot for the week. I think the Dolphins maybe by by a score twenty one fourteen. Yeah, Nick. Uh, definitely the Baltimore Ravens. Justin Tucker to kick ten field goals or something stupid like that. Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker fest. Uh, I've gone for. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone for the Dolphins. Surprisingly, there we go. So we'll go. We'll split it there. Me and Josh sensibly gone for the Dolphins. Nick's gone for the wild card Ravens. Uh, Bears at Saints. Uh, I've gone for the New Orleans Saints. Not buying into the, you know, this run the ball 45 times, throw it four times, John Fox style of football. I'm going to go for New Orleans. Nick? I mean, this is a sort of, uh, as, a, as, a, as a long-suffering Saints fan, are there any of a kind? This is a sort of game that we do tend to lose, but I just can't bring myself to pick Chicago to win with running the ball, like passing the ball 0.2 of an attempt per game. So Saints. Saints. Josh? Yeah, horribly unsustainable Bears offence. I'm going for a big Saints win. Big Saints win. It's unanimous there. Uh, Panthers at the awful Bucks. Nick? 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't like the direction. The books seem, seem to be getting worse in every area. And we know Carolina are flaky, but I think they'll probably win this one. Panthers. Panthers keep pounding. Josh, who have you got? Oh, this is the hardest call of the week. Um, I reckon the Bucks by a point. I reckon the form of the loss in Buffalo by three points isn't actually that bad. And I think even though I slagged off that Kyrie in the week, I think the Bucks win this. Oh, Josh throwing heat at my selection of the two-pointers saying that this was, in fact, the hardest game of the week. Uh, I've gone for the Panthers. So there we go. Me and Nick both gone for the Panthers edge. Josh gone for the Bucks. Uh, next one is Texans at Seahawks. This this could be a sneaky good game. I've got a feeling that, you know, the rookie Deshaun Watson going on to take on arguably the you know the best defense of the, of the noughties, you know, probably a bit, bit longer than the Broncos. Uh, I've gone for Seattle here. I'm going for a home win. Uh, go on the 12th man. Nick? If if what if Deshaun Watson can win this game for Houston, then I will be completely all in because I just can't see it. I think this is Seattle all the way. Josh, are you going to make it unanimous? Uh, I am. Um, I was totally wrong about Deshaun Watson coming out of college. I thought he wouldn't get the speed of the NFL. He was too mistake prone. I've been proven wrong so far, but I think the Seahawks win this. Yeah, I think we've all been proven wrong with this. We all know nothing essentially about, yeah. about quarterbacks coming out. Uh, right, Broncos at Chiefs to show down the AFC West. Will the Bronco, will the, will the Chiefs lose on the third game in a row? Josh, who have you got here? Uh, comfortable Chiefs win. Comfortable Chiefs win. Nick, who have you got? Yeah, the Chiefs. I think the Broncos D isn't quite what it was, and obviously the O is God, nothing. Is... Zero, oh. literally last week. Boring here. We've got the second unanimous in a row. All of us gone for Chiefs. Um, Steelers at Lions. Nick. Detroit Lions, I think. Lions, Lions. Le- leaning, I am leaning back and confidently predicting a Detroit Lions win, which is never something that one you're, should do. You're doing me. I was so bought in in the bloody. I was going Lions all in for the whole start of the season, but you know, going to keep a cool head here. I'm going to go for the Steelers. Uh, Josh. Yes, yeah, hard to pick Big Ben on the road, but I'm going to this time. Steelers win. Hopefully, 50 touches for Bell and a fantasy win for me too. Be nice. <laughs> Uh, final up, oh, not finally. So the penultimate game. Now this could be. I think Willow might be tweeting for a few of us here. I've got the Falcons at Jets. Josh, how have you got this one going? Oh, a, a potential to be a horrible game. Um, but a very good friend of mine's a Falcons fan. He'd probably punch me if I pick the Jets. I'm going to pick the Falcons, but who knows? Falcons. I have also gone for the Falcons. Nick, are you going to go for the hero pick? <laughs> Do you know if if it if it hadn't if the Falcons hadn't been so dreadful um, against the Pats? I mean, there is going to be such a reaction to that, and I think that will see them home safe. I think they it won't it'll only be a band aid over the issues that they've got. But I think they should beat the Jets, who are they remind me of the Browns that season. The Browns went seven and nine in that you can tell they're not very good, but they're somehow winning games. But I don't see them winning this one. No, I think there's going to be another unanimous. Uh, pick there for Atlanta and then finally the big two-pointer we've got the Oakland Raiders traveling to take on the surprising Buffalo Bills I have personally gone for the Buffalo Bills I've been down them too much you know they seem this Sean McDermott seems to have flipped the switch there this could finally be the year that Buffalo gets back to the postseason I'm gonna go for the Bills Nick who have you gone for I think the Raiders Raiders oh I, I mean a, I, I split yeah I, I I did think about you know, I don't. I'm not. I don't really like Raiders defending a mobile quarterback. I don't, but I don't really like Raiders defending any quarterback. So it doesn't really make a difference. And yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in this one. But you've just kind of 
pointing me into a corner by going bills. Uh, so I blame you. There you go. If, 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 it, if it's right, it's me. If it's not, it's me. There we go. Uh, Josh, who have you gone for in the big two-pointer? Um, Raiders. Uh, Mari Cooper lives. Um, and they look, they look, <laughs> on they everyone's look, fancy bench. Yeah, they look really hot on offense against the Chiefs. Um, I don't really trust their defense, but I think they go and win. There we go. That's going to be the pickums. We will review them next week, see how we move along there. Nick, you're trailing by seven. Uh, not many hero picks there, so let's let's see if you can get back into it somehow. Slow, slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. Unless it's a 100-meter well, that... sprint. <laughs> Why did I even laugh at that? I hate myself. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's it for this week before Tom makes any more bad jokes. Next week is week eight, and just like that, we are nearly halfway through the season, which is... Yeah, where does the time go when season comes around? We spend so long waiting for it, and yeah, oh, it's nearly November already. Join us next week for another podcast. Um, in the meantime, check out the website, theinsidezone.com, for articles all week. Come and follow us on Twitter at The Inside Zone, on Facebook at facebook.com slash insidezoneuk, and your podcast is your wonderful host today is on um, Twitter, at LongSnapsRanked. We've got Tom on there, at TomLikeNFL, and Josh is on there, at Joshua, that's Josh. WA 1990. So, hope you enjoyed the show. Say goodbye, everyone. Cheers for saying that, Nick. Bye, you'll, get, you'll get paid at the end for, for all those links thrown out there. <laughs> Excellent. I can spend it on nappies. And on that <laughs> note, see you all next week. Cheers, gents. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the website at www.theinsidezone.com. Till next time.